0: And Brass. Carson this is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his weekly appearance, making his weekly Monday appearance as the managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron. Earlier on Monday, uh, Dave Cameron identified in those same electronic pages, uh, Fangraphs Dave Cameron identified a means by which an outfielder, a baseball outfielder, might be incentivized to drop a baseball to the end, uh, first of confusing and then throwing out uh, Base runner or base runners. This curious loophole is an unintended consequence uh, of the introduction this year of instant replay. Dave Cameron examines the problem uh, and also suggests some reasonable solutions, or maybe a reasonable solution. In addition to that, I asked Dave Cameron about uh, some other rules, rule related questions. For example, catchers blocking the plate. How is that going? What's going on with that? Also, reviews. In general, instant replay in general, how is that proceeding? There's another thing, probably very similar thing, to what I ask him. Also, anyone who's tolerant enough to consume the entirety of what follows, uh, will find out why Dave Cameron needed to utter this sentence. Yeah, I think a djembe is like an African drum. FanGraphs Audio features Dave Cameron, managing editor of FanGraphs, and it begins right now. Oh, yeah, that happens. That's still gonna happen. Okay, you ready? Yeah. So here's the. So there's the Honda Fit. Maybe the 2015 model, but also the ones before it are. Um, they have ver- their own virtues. The Kia Rio. The Kia yeah. Rio, which is basically the same thing as the Hyundai Accent, except um, uh, it's both cheaper and also slightly more attractive.
1: Right.
0: And then uh, the Toyota Pri- the Prius C. Okay. And then maybe a Ford Focus hatchback, although, uh, I was looking, apparently the reliability ratings are quite poor.
1: Yeah, I, uh, Ford has had an up and down career in terms of reliability. Yeah. I always enjoyed when their, uh, their commercial in the 90s were like, at Ford, quality is job one. I always wondered, like, what the hell is job two?
0: Yeah. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, making a car should be one of the jobs.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're going to make a poor car and say that you're a prior, Priority is making a high quality car. That does not speak well of your skills.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your priority. Well, priority one should be making make a car, make the cars, and then I guess make sure they're made well, right?
1: Uh, I think maybe number one, even or number what you said second, should be number one. I don't know if there's a lot of point of making a poorly made car.
0: No. Yeah. Make a make a poor make a nicely made car. My uh, my wife uh, who's just got back from the gym, she is it turns out is not as excited um, about the car buying process as i am or she's, not as, she's not as enthusiastic about um research the the research involved.
1: yeah i think this is uh to be expected
0: yeah well anyway it's exciting it's exciting for me for whatever reason listen do you want to talk about baseball yeah, sure all right let's talk about let's talk about how you can let's talk about Oh, there we go that's uh yeah uh, let's talk about how you could how now in baseball you can um, a new thing is an unintended consequence of a new rule change is an even sillier thing that can happen in baseball yes so this has happened multiple times with in the outfield so what was the new rule that MLB um, instituted this year
1: so it's not actually a new rule it's kind of a uh, interpretation of Rule 2.0, which is basically stated that uh, a catch has to include the transfer of the ball from the glove to the hand. So previously, uh, what we've seen is that the there were rulings on two separate actions. You caught the ball in your glove, and then you tried to take it out, and the transfer was considered part of the throw. What you did at the transfer and whether you held the ball uh, in your hand or not, when you tried to throw to another base did not impact whether or not there was a catch. Now it does. Now a catch is defined as maintaining possession of the ball through the transfer from the glove to the hand. Uh this was intentional this was basically done for the play at second base uh, on double play opportunities where middle infielders were dropping the ball trying to turn the double play. Uh and because that's such a small window of time, it was difficult for umpires to determine whether the the fielder had control of the ball at all uh, and he could argue, "Well, I was just dropping it on transfer because the transfer happened so quickly." Unfortunately, they've spread the the outfield, which has turned into chaos.
0: Right. Well, I didn't. I mean, as a as a viewer, I didn't really mind the rule the way it was. I thought, generally speaking, it, it, the the umpires got it right, or at least it seemed within a reasonable sort of window of belief.
1: Yeah. So the problem this year is with instant replay. If you have a kind of nebulous fifty fifty judgment call. Uh, almost every play at second base was going to be reviewed. So if you said, we're going to leave it up to the umpire to decide whether the ball was caught and then dropped on transfer uh, or, um, you know, whether it was all one play, essentially what you'd have happen is every time there was a bat play at second base where the second baseman or shortstop was trying to turn a double play, he dropped the ball coming out of his glove, either there would be a umpire review from the booth or a manager challenge and nearly every play at second base where where the drop happened would be challenged because it's a judgment call. It's very tough to see in real time. And with instant replay this year, I don't think they wanted every play and rightfully so they didn't want every dropped play at second base where the double play wasn't turned to then be reviewed. So they tried to make the rule a little more simple and say, Hey, look, if the ball ends up on the ground, guys safe. We don't need to review that Ball's on the ground. Everyone can see it. Uh, I, I think there's some logic to defining the play much easier to avoid replays when you're concerned about how long replay is going to take in baseball.
0: Sh- uh, do you think that the, uh, the Major League Baseball should follow the NFL's, um, their, their sort of way of doing things and say that after uh, it, it's officially a catch, uh, after you you get possession of it and make, make a football move?
1: No, I don't, I don't like that definition either. I think uh, it, it, in the outfield – the the way it has to work, and MLB will eventually go back to this. It might take till next year, maybe it'll load at the All Star break. We'll see. Is it's a catch as soon as it's controlled in your glove. Because that's when the runner has to make the decision. That's the key point in, in why this matters so much for outfielders is the base runner has to make their decision based on uh the outfielder ha- catching the ball. If they wait until the player makes a baseball move or until he transfers the ball to his hand, they're screwed. They're out. Uh so for the base runner who's been trained to do this for twenty years, their decision point at go forward or go back is when the ball enters the glove, and that has to be the point at which a catch is ruled.
0: Okay, but what if, what if instead of a baseball move, the outfielder makes a football move, and that will definitely <laughs> telegraph to everybody?
1: Would that be like Yasiel Puig like stiff arming a teammate? <laughs> is that a yeah, football move? He just like runs over and tackles uh, Andre Ethier.
0: I think that well, all right, it would tend towards the absurd. I acknowledge it, but I think that it would be – there would be serious entertainment value <laughs> involved. Uh, well, in I team. mean, what,
1: how, what kind of football move can you make on your own? The Heisman pose, like everyone does the Desmond Howard?
0: Yeah, everyone will do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's the solution then, just to say the infield and outfield are different things?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to maintain this definition of the catch going forward, it has to be infield only. Uh, because it, realistically, on the infield, this is hardly ever, if ever, a problem. Um you don't see balls on the infield runners trying to advance an extra base or looking to the fielders to see if they have the ball, uh, to see if they could, you know, like depending on what, whether the fielder caught the ball or not, they're gonna try and move up. On the infield, the risk is just too high. So, you know, having this definition on the infield I think is justifiable and isn't going to affect the offense much. Uh, in the outfield, it, it, it doesn't work. And I think, uh, you know, I'm assuming MLB didn't plan on this. And hopefully they've seen enough cases in the first couple of weeks where they say, hey, this is a problem. I would be in favor of them changing the rule tomorrow and going back and saying, whoops, uh, that was a loophole we didn't mean to open. Our bad. I don't think MLB works that way, especially since they spent all spring training emphasizing to the teams and the players that this is how the rule is going to be called. So they're going to probably make it, uh, stick for a year. We're going to have to, we're going to have the 2014 season will be the rule of the stupid catch. Uh, next year they're, they're going to, get some sanity and go back to normal.
0: It's really almost as this is this is like what happens right when um you know when a government or some other uh, body decides to um introduce as as you know they're having problems with grubs or something right and they say well we're going to introduce this in this other thing this one species of animal that eats grubs but then apparent you know but then that that new species also like you know eats babies too right and you're yeah. didn't you're like oh we didn't know they ate babies we just thought they ate grubs but they also eat babies right and unfortunately i think the way
1: the governments and baseball major league baseball work is they, you know they're like well it's unfortunate that all these babies are dying but you know process we we don't want to uh make any other decisions that might have more unintended consequences so let's just see how this plays out
0: mm-hmm. so and it's you just got a bunch of babies getting eaten in the meantime
1: yeah. I think that's really the the key here is uh all the babies are being eaten.
0: Right. So so with regard to this babies that are being eaten, the the equivalent in this case is that an outfielder, I guess at any point after he catches the ball, can drop it and then the That's
1: the thing we don't really know. So the Elliott Johnson play is the one that we have some confirmation that a runner can travel with the ball in his glove and it doesn't matter. Until he makes the transfer from glove to ball, or from glove to hand, it's not a catch. Uh, Johnson took probably two or three steps, crashed into the wall, spun around, and then dropped the ball, and it was ruled a no catch. So, we don't kind of, we don't know what the line is, right? Like, I think there's some reasonable, uh, human judgment where the umpires would say, you're just trying to screw with us, we're not gonna let you do this, if, uh, a left fielder or a center fielder or whatever did what I propose, Caught a ball, you know, maybe a shallow fly ball to left field. Caught it on the run, was already running in towards the bag, just left it in his glove, didn't touch it with his hand, jogged back into the infield, and then intentionally dropped the ball on the transfer. I think the umpires would be like, "Screw you, we're not yeah. going to let you do this. Yeah. Uh, we are not giving you the out. Yeah. We ruled this out." But I think, according to the Elliot Johnson play and the way the rule is being enforced the manager would have a pretty good case to be like, well, this is the rule. He didn't make the transfer cleanly. I want a triple play.
0: Right. now, And, and you said that, that the umpires – or you said that at some point it becomes a judgment play. But it, at a certain level, that's what this new – that's what the intention the of this, this rule or further adherence to this rule was intended to have to remove that sort of judgment to say a ball's on the ground, that's not a catch.
1: Yes, and right, there's nothing in the rule that says once the outfielder takes X number of steps, transfer doesn't matter, and that's the loophole, is how close can the outfielders get to the player, to the runner, before they can make a transfer and have it be ruled not a catch, and that's the thing we don't know. I mean, the Elliott Johnson play suggests that it's several steps, which, you know, even several steps on some of these shallow fly balls or soft line drives, uh when there's runners at first and second and less than two outs, is enough. I mean, if you're, you know, left fielder, you're charging in to make a catch, uh, and you're, you know, maybe 100, 150 feet from second base, and then you can make a couple steps toward the infield, uh, there's no way the runners are able to do anything except retreat. I mean, you've caught the ball, it's in your glove, you're running towards them, they have to go back. And then at that point, if you can manage to drop the ball on the transfer, You've got a tailor-made double play.
0: Is there anything going on with Dustin Ackley in particular, such that he's, he makes, he, this happens twice in one game to him?
1: Yeah, there's like three innings apart. He did this twice. Uh, I mean, he is a converted outfielder. He has not played a lot of outfield in his career. Um, so this is not something he's going to be as good at as everyone else. Um,
0: I mean, catching, I, I catch, catching, you mean?
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, he made the catches just fine. And I think the sliding catch was actually a pretty, pretty good play. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. you know, running away from himself. Uh, with the center fielder kind of in his peripheral vision and he made a nice sliding catch he just dropped it when he stood up so uh you know i don't think dustin Ackley has like tiny little hands covered in uh vaseline but so far uh he's been uh a pretty good example of why this rule doesn't work
0: okay all right and then now listen th- this is one aspect we there were a couple of more rule changes uh of course of course over the the offseason and um, in part why this is becoming an issue is because of the institution of replay extended replay and uh, uh how's that going generally? Is that going pretty well?
1: I think it depends on your expectation. Uh I would say that replay is going slow. Uh there have been several replays that have taken 4 5 minutes that are just a, they're too long. They're um, I think Realistically, there should be a time limit of, you know, maybe 90 seconds or 120 seconds or 150 seconds or something where the umpire at the end of the time, they have a little counter (laughs) that's like, you know, you're out of time. You have to make a decision. If you cannot clearly see that this call is overturnable or, you know, uh, confirmable within this given amount of time, It is confirmed. Like, you don't get four minutes to go sit and make a play or make a make a decision. Um, Unfortunately, you know, there's been some technical errors. I've I've seen at least one play where the umpires had to leave the field because the monitor they were trying to use on the field wasn't working. Um, I think, you know, there's bugs that will get ironed out. They're two weeks into their first year of replay. I think we shouldn't have expected it to go perfectly smoothly. At the same time, if this was the system MLB was going to use going forward, I would not necessarily be 100% in favor of keeping it because it isn't, uh, it isn't a great system right now.
0: Okay. Is it an improved system over what uh, was there?
1: Uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's making some plays, it's making a few more correct calls. I think the number of overturned calls right now is like 30% or something like that on challenge. Uh, so you're getting, you know, if there's a challenge every game, you're getting maybe one more correct call every three games. That's, you know, not nothing, uh, but I think the cost to the game in the learning stage is pretty high. I mean, I think we're seeing, uh, a, a, you know, umpires uh, conferring with each other before and after challenges. We're seeing managers argue before and after challenges, even though they're not supposed to. We're seeing, um, you know, managers walk out to the field to have a slow argument before the challenge because they want to determine whether or not to challenge, and so they're stalling. I think there's issues that need to be ironed out. And really, I think, h- highlight the fact that having the manager involved in the decision of whether to replay or not is not a good idea. I mean, I think this should be at a, the umpire level, uh, and the manager should have no say in whether there's a challenge or not.
0: The certain circumstances I've seen, the, the managers and other no, exceptions, the managers and the, and the umpires do seem to be getting along a, a little bit better. I've seen circumstances where... The, the the manager comes out and is essentially like, yeah, I think I'm going to challenge that.
1: Yeah, so there's no, there's no reward to being a hothead anymore. Like, to run onto the field and scream and yell and cuss and do all the Lou theatrics, it has no advantage anymore. Because now, you're essentially, uh, instead of trying to put on a show for your, your fans and, and, uh, the players on your team knowing that you can't get the rule overturned you can try and get the play overturned so now you're trying to barter or or convince uh and so you want to be encouraging and you want to you know plead your case in a way that will cause the other person to listen to you uh, and generally spitting in their face is not a good way to do that
0: right although i think that uh, maybe the other day john farrell did get kicked out of a game.
1: Yeah, because he argued after a replay, and he was – uh so, you know, the replay went against him two days in a row. So he just came out and basically said, this system sucks, and you're not allowed to argue uh after a replay has been um,
0: uh-huh. replayed. Was, was and, he right? Uh, Did it, Was he right about his particular arguments?
1: I mean, I think the one on Saturday was very clear that they got it wrong. They, uh, for whatever reason, they said they couldn't find a camera angle that said Dean Anna was off the base. Uh, Dean Anna clearly was off the base, oh yeah, right. I
0: saw uh, this is the Dean Anna. I saw that play. He was off the base, he was off the base,
1: and they didn't call him out, even on replay, they didn't call him out. That was silly. The one on Sunday was not as clear. that was a kind of a bang bang play at first base. uh Farrell was arguing that it was inconclusive. The umpires thought they had enough evidence. Um So it wasn't so much like it was an obvious call. Farrell was arguing that it wasn't an obvious call, but both of them went against him this weekend.
0: Yeah, but that double, uh, Deanna. I mean, he slid in safe for the double, but then he essentially got just, up. Yeah, he picked his foot up for. Yeah, he's probably because he, he's never. He's not very used he, to hitting doubles in the major leagues.
1: Right, and probably won't again.
0: <laughs> uh, Although now
1: with all the Yankee injuries, he might be like their only healthy infielder.
0: Well yeah, they, well who do, they, have, they don't have Mark share until probably what, the end of the month or something like that. Right,
1: thing. so last night they started with Francisco Cervelli, Jan Jervis Solarte, Dean Anna, Kelly Johnson, and somebody else maybe. Brian Roberts is hurt, Jeter's hurt, uh, Cervelli left the game with an injury, mm-hmm. Solarte like limped off the field and had to play like, you know, uh, through, through an injury because they had no one else. Uh, yeah, they're, the Yankee infield not so healthy right
0: now. Wait, Roberts is hurt? You said?
1: Yeah, R- Brian Roberts is injured. Breaking news, everyone.
0: And then, and also Jeter. How? Well, Jeter just what tight quad? Tight? Yeah. Tight quad. Yeah. So he's maybe it's more day to day situation with him. Right.
1: I mean, he yeah. They're not dead, but you know they're they're not capable of playing the field uh at all times, every game. So they're gonna have these days where oh Jeter's unavailable and Roberts is unavailable. We don't have an infield.
0: Right. But DeNiro's there.
1: D Nana is there, but yeah, I don't think you want D Nana playing short and second at the same time.
0: No, it's true. It's true. That's a uh, that's anti shifting, really.
1: Yeah, I think last night's game was fun from like a potential weird defensive position. Uh, Buster Olney was tweeting. Alfonso Soriano was probably not that far away from moving back to second base. Mike Carp played third. Uh, there was there was going to be some low UZR scores in last night's game.
0: And. uh uh, and I believe Car- Carlos Beltran played first base, isn't that right? For
1: the first time in his career, yeah, Carlos Beltran moved to first base.
0: Yeah, he could end up there at some point if he plays it decently.
1: I would think that he, you know, depending on what happens with Shara, uh, Beltran could get some regular playing time at first base in the next few years.
0: Right, because he's not entirely mobile anymore.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good Beltran. way of describing Beltran.
0: Yeah, well, I'm just trying to be fair. I mean, he's more—he's still probably more mobile than I am. Yeah. Uh, but he, relative to other major league outfielders. He's not doing so well.
1: No, he doesn't run particularly well anymore. Is but that, he jogs around the bases quite well when he hits the ball 400 Yeah, feet.
0: right, he still does that pretty well. Yeah. And, um, is that adorable? is that, is that because he had all that knee kerfuffle? Like, uh, what, three, four years ago now?
1: I mean, that certainly didn't help. He was fast as a young player and then he had, you know, had knee issues and now he's old. So I don't think there's that many 38 year olds who were very fast.
0: Is he that old, huh? Wow. Yeah. 30, 30, 30, 30, 37. 37. Thirty-seven, age thirty-seven season, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, he's
0: he's an old dude. He's an old, old older older guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he's still good. I mean, he's still still hitting the ball well.
1: That's, that's yeah. A fact. Well, that's what they're paying him for. Yeah.
0: The uh. All right, and then the other thing we were. Uh, oh yeah, the 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 catcher interference situation. Has there been? Uh, is this working out? I mean, it's the idea is to to protect. The idea is to protect catchers. Uh, is it protecting catchers or is it uh, is it is it also providing any unintended consequences?
1: Yes, yeah, so we're not seeing the catchers get bowled over at home plate anymore, which I think was the goal and a the noble goal. I mean, it out. this is a rule change I'm absolutely in favor of. I think what we have seen is because of the way the rule is written, uh the umpires are now reviewing almost every close play at the place at the plate to make sure that uh the the catcher actually did give the runner a lane. The rule's written it says that the catcher has to allow the runner uh, a clear path to the bag. So now, almost every time that there's, a, there's a play, we're getting a review because the umpire is checking to make sure that the catcher did that. Um, that's not ideal, and I think this is another example of why uh, having a replay umpire um I'm gonna beat this drum until the Major League Baseball does this. Just having a, a fifth umpire, sixth umpire, whatever, uh, a replay umpire in the booth watching the plays in real time and with a monitor, uh, who can just communicate down and say, yep, he did, no need for a replay, uh, is, is a better solution. And mm-hmm. this is where, I mean, Major League Baseball and Joe Torrey and these guys can say it's not gonna work all they want, but I think almost everyone who watches the game on a regular basis thinks that just adding a replay umpire is the best solution.
0: And, and uh now, did you buy a special drum for that to beat? I, or did I you... have
1: a jimbe. I think that's a thing.
0: Okay.
1: So we'll a, a have drum experts weigh in. But I think a djembe is a special drum. I'm beating my djembe.
0: Okay. All right. Now, is that like a – is it some sort of tri- tribal tribal drum? Or... Yeah,
1: I think a djembe is like an African drum.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. So you, I, you, I could be you, wrong. Now, you had but...
0: one or you purchased it specifically for this?
1: I stole it from a guy named Jim, okay and then uh, I, his name was Jim Bay, and I beat him up, took his drum
0: okay, all right yeah. you you beat up an African tribes person, <laughs>
1: yeah, okay, to, let's get, get... to get his drum named you know after what
0: him. that's not gonna that that it's not gonna dear many people to you, except I'll say there probably will be a lot of people who are not shocked is the yeah. other thing I'll say. I
1: think you know people assume I beat up people all the time,
0: yeah, so. yeah, confirmation, okay, very good, uh. Let's see. What do we got uh, going on there. So, hey, so I noticed um, um, there are not – this is not going to be shocking, I don't think. But uh let's see. The, recently, the Athletics designated Sam Fold for assignment. They did. Yeah, okay. But otherwise, generally speaking, there are not many uh, transactions being made. Um It's certainly none. None with like a long, long, long. uh, Because recently we're in the extension season. We were in extension season, remember? Yeah. And now, and now the season has begun. And as you suggest, would be the case, and as has been the case in years past, this is not a thing about which people are talking. Should we? Should we expect any sort of long-term deals to be made uh, now that the season has started, or or would there be any exceptions to to the sort of dedicated extension season?
1: Yeah, but I think uh, you generally see one or two extensions kind of agreed to in April or May. Uh, usually it's people who were talking during spring training, didn't get things worked out before opening day, but they said, you know what? We don't really care about negotiating in season. We're okay with that. The player doesn't think it's going to be a distraction. We know both John Lester and Pablo Sandoval have been or were at some point uh, after the season began negotiating with their teams on long-term deals. It sounds like neither of those are going to lead to extensions uh, based on public reports unless one side drastically changes their offer. Uh but they were negotiating and so um I think we can be fairly confident that they're not the only two who are negotiating long term deals. Uh they're the, maybe the most prominent, uh, because they're free agents next winter and um, you know, they're pretty big name players. Uh but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the next month or so we saw someone agree to a long term deal. I think the the Red Sox eventually announced Adrian Gonzalez's long term contract uh in April or May or something, when it had been agreed to like months beforehand. Uh after he was traded from San Diego, and they just waited until after the season to announce it. Uh, I don't know that we'll have any of those necessarily, but I do think we'll we'll probably get one or two long-term extensions in the next month or two.
0: Wait, Adrian Gonzalez.
1: Yeah, is that not what I said. You might have said
0: Adrian Beltray, but it just uh, uh, but it made me realize how many Adrians the Red Sox have had on their team. Actually, I guess the Dodgers have had the same number. Correct. Yeah. I
1: don't, I wonder how many Adrians have been in Major League Baseball. It's uh, not that common of a name.
0: You don't find it, but there is now a, an Adrian Nieto on the White Sox. Uh, okay. Uh, he, he was, uh, he and uh, Jose Abreu combined to make a single catch, uh, a couple days ago or a week ago or whatever.
1: Like they shared the ball, they like both snow coned it and ran off the field?
0: Yeah, right. No, they embraced and then it fell, it like fell in between them. And they caught it together in between there. No, 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 no. What happened was, it was like, you've seen it before. A catcher doesn't necessarily have a great angle on the ball and it's hard for him to squeeze a pop fly. Uh, and then the first baseman's like right there though. Um, and catches it, like, essentially after it bounces off the catcher's club. Right. I see. You've seen that before.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, maybe not exactly, but yes, I know what you're talking about.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, that's what happened. Jose Abreu caught it. Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu, who's been good at baseball.
1: Yeah. Especially when the Indians are throwing him 88 down the middle.
0: Is that, I mean, is he, well, I saw what, well, he hit, uh, he hit a Danny Salazar, cause, Danny yeah, Salazar. it was like
1: Danny Salazar's off-speed pitch. Like yeah. I don't, I don't even want to call it a slider because it's it's not very good. Uh, not but right. he, he threw a flat kind of cut slider thing in the middle of the plate, and Jose Abreu destroyed it.
0: Yeah, he hit it really hard. Yeah. He had a really, he hit it really hard. He yeah. Uh, that's yeah that's not going to be a pitch that's going to fool Jose Abreu. But he's he started off quite well. He's got four home runs. Uh, And he's not, he's not whiffing at everything. He's, uh, he looks like a, he looks like a professional hitter, Dave Cameron.
1: The funny thing is, like, a lot of the talk about him in spring training is that he didn't chase bad pitches and he really looked like a, you know, a high walk guy. And then once the regular season has started, he's swinging at everything. Uh, but he's got really good contact skills. He's got the contact and power skill set that scouts really like generally. Hmm. Um, and I think, you know, Plate discipline is a thing that can be learned, especially as you get older and you get more experience. And so I don't think we want to say Jose Abreu is like a a hack and is going to be a hack forever. Uh, but he was kind of billed as like the the anti-tweak of like, this is a guy who really has a great approach to the plate and he kind of understands balls and strikes. And right now he's playing like 45% of the pitches out of the zone.
0: Do you think he's maybe more along the lines of, and this is, I'm just as, Part of a this is a generalization, but like you, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, power and contact. It, that's like Edwin Encarnacion is sort of at the far end of that spectrum. Maybe Adrian Beltre is another another player with a sort of you know above average in both. Do, do you view him as that sort? Yeah, well,
1: Encarnacion walks. I mean, Encarnacion's not, like, an aggressive power and contact guy. I would say this is more along the lines of, like, a Paul Canerco. Uh, or, you know, going back a little bit, Maglio Ordonez was really good at this, where it wasn't a ton of walks, but he just, you know, Nomar uh, You know, these guys swung a lot uh, but made a ton of contact. Um, you know, the good version of Vladimir Guerrero. This is that kind of, of skill set where it's, like, lots of swings, pitches you shouldn't be swinging at, but enough passes.
0: Dave Cameron? Dave Cameron? Dave Cameron? Dave, here's what you were saying. I recorded it. Yeah, I it up. You were saying a lot of swings, or, you know, not great play discipline, maybe enough swing or a lot of swings, but enough power so that
1: – So that it's, uh, the skill set works anyway.
0: You, yeah, but you got to say it. you got to pretend to say it like we were saying it, like how uh, you were saying it.
1: You want me to re-say all that thing?
0: Yeah, maybe. Just say, maybe. Just say this. Say a lot of swings, but enough power.
1: A lot of swings, but enough power to make that skill set work anyway.
0: Thanks, Dave. are
1: <laughs> We should just leave this entire part in.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to happen. Yeah. All right. So, so that's one newcomer, and he appears to be uh, adapting quite, quite admirably.
1: Yeah, uh, the, the latest line in uh, Cuban success stories in Major League Baseball.
0: Yeah, there, and there appear to be a lot of them
1: there appear to be a good amount. Although I will say, Jonas is kind of, uh you know, when he made his debut a couple of years ago, it was like, man, this guy's a superstar. He has settled in as a, you know, a nice, solid, uh non-star player.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, relative relative to what he's getting paid, he's still doing pretty well though, right? Oh I
1: mean, yeah, I mean, that was certainly a good deal for the A's, or for the Angels. Not a, not a good deal for the A's because they didn't sign him. But uh, I think, you know when Cespedes arrived, and you know he also kind of has this power and contact skill set. And people looked at him and said, like, this guy's a monster. Uh, eh, a little less of a monster than people thought.
0: Is he? I mean, so just looking at his numbers from last year and also what he's started with this year, he looks like Evan Gaddis. Like yeah, it's
1: not not a terrible. I mean, he's a better defender and he runs better, but you know, as a hitter, not terribly dissimilar.
0: 300 OBP, 450 slugging, a lot of it from yeah. home runs.
1: I mean, I think you have to account for his park factors. So he yeah, plays in a tough right. park for, uh, fly ball hitters. Uh, you know, if he moved somewhere else, his raw numbers would be better. Uh, but overall, not an offensive star.
0: Yeah. But, he'll be worth a couple wins, and he's, uh, what, probably a little above average in, in a corner outfield position, right? Yeah,
1: he's a two to three win player. For nine yeah. million a year, he's certainly a good player, but, yeah. you know, maybe not, not the superstar people
0: thought. Right. Uh, it also turns out that, um Another newcomer to Major League Baseball, Masiro Tanaka, is pretty good as well. Tanaka
1: is not so bad. Yeah, eighteen strikeouts and one walk is a pretty good way to start your career.
0: Right, and uh, of course he had to, we talked about this last week. We discussed this last week. His uh, initial start uh, was rough early on. His second start was well. That, he also allowed three runs during that, but he was he, his peripheral numbers were even better during that one.
1: Yeah, I mean both both starts he's allowed home runs. Uh, that's been his thing is is giving up the long ball. Uh but besides those mistake pitches that get pounded four hundred feet, he's been excellent.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and he's gonna keep being that way, one assumes.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see uh how similar he is to Hisashi Iwakuma. Because I think uh so far, I mean you know Tanako certainly played up as a a guy with better stuff. I mean Iwakuma came over throwing, you know, high 80s. It uh, was sitting in the mid-80s last year in Japan, which is why the Mariners were able to sign him so cheaply. Uh, Tanaka was billed as a guy who was up to 94. So far, Tanaka's sitting 91. Iwakuma sat 90-ish last year. So their fastball velocity is not all that different. Both of them featured dynamite splitters. Iwakuma was obviously awesome last year, and the Yankees should take it if, if Tanaka performs at Iwakuma levels. But I do wonder if, if Tanaka's going to be more of the... Iwakuma-style pitcher than the Darvish-style pitcher, because he's not really a flamethrower.
0: Right. Whereas, whereas Darvish can... What, is it, what does Darvish touch if he needs to?
1: He can get in the mid-to-high 90s, 96-97 regularly as kind of his top end, mm-hmm. uh, and everything he throws is hard. I mean, Tanaka throws the hard splitter, but, you know, besides that, he's not really a power pitcher.
0: Uh, well, it should be noted there's one pitch that, that Darvish throws that isn't hard.
1: Right, that giant slow curveball.
0: Yeah, right. Which yeah. Which, when... Which is I, I mean it seems to be generally the two uh, outcomes from that are a home run
1: or a called strike yeah.
0: or yeah called strike or yeah right or 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 there's enough time for it to almost to have been a called strike but then the batter swings and also makes a fool of himself or hits home run so there's
1: well, three outcomes three
0: things. outcomes it's a, a three true outcome pitch.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I most enjoy it when you see the batter, like, moving in the battered box in anticipation of taking a softball swing. Mm-hmm. you are like, oh, I can hit this. That's always a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mike, uh perhaps not surprisingly, Mike Trout is, uh, uh, sitting near the top of the, the ward leaderboard.
1: Yeah, just behind Alexi Ramirez, like we all thought.
0: Right. Uh, well, they're close. Actually, no, no, I believe uh, Trout has overcome him with the most recent, uh, uh, with, uh, oh, we
1: must have actually added fielding data. Then. We did
0: add fielding data. Oh, yeah. look
1: at that. First fielding update of the year. Yeah. As of last night, we didn't have fielding data. Right, honestly.
0: right. Well, so today we do. So that puts uh, Utley. Utley is atop the, the list. Then Justin Upton. I was hitting the ball well. Then Mike Trout, whose uh, BABIP is about 100 points lower than anyone around him on the leaderboard. And then uh coming in at fourth, striking out only 4 and 4.5% of his plate appearances. So center fielder. Sometimes center fielder for the Colorado Rockies. Look at that, Charlie Blackman. Huh.
1: Charlie Blackman, your guy. Yeah,
0: well, one of my guys. Well, one, of your,
1: one of your old guys. Yes. Yeah,
0: part of the stable. Not bad, not bad. No,
1: I think uh, I pulled up a heat map on... <coughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. You can edit out my sneeze. Uh. I pulled up a heat map on Baseball Savant and their really cool pitch effects uh search tool last week and noticed that uh, pitchers are throwing Charlie Blackman a lot of pitches down the middle, which maybe they should stop doing.
0: Yeah, right. Well, he's hitting it is the point. I guess you do that yeah. until until a, a player proves that he can hit it. I don't
1: know that you ever want to just go middle-middle uh, to a major league hitter. Uh, right. You know, Charlie Blackman, not a great hitter, but he had a 350 Wobo last year. Yeah. This is probably not a guy you want to just, like... Throw it down the middle and see what happens.
0: Well, they'll probably stop it. They'll probably stop soon.
1: You would think that eventually they're gonna maybe try a different location.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, D. Gordon, as everyone anticipated, uh, has started off the season well.
1: You know, I think, uh, who didn't see this coming, right?
0: Right. That, is that, is that likely to continue? He's always, he's always struck out 13% of his plate appearances, which I think is probably lower than, uh, than the numbers he's posted in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Gordon has a chance to be a high contact. Uh, low on base, high stolen base guy, kind of like, you know, um short stops of days gone by. We were used to seeing a lot of these like 270, 280 on base guys who steal 50 bases. We haven't had too many of those lately. Uh, but I think Gordon could be kind of a, a version of that. Maybe he gets his on base percentage 300 if he bunts a lot or something. But he's not gonna be a, a good offensive player, but he'll, you know, be fast enough to stay in the lineup.
0: Well, one point that uh, Jeff Sullivan made with regard to Billy Hamilton, and it's something that might it's a point that might carry over to D Gordon as well as um instead of th- you know thinking beyond on base percentage is thinking uh, essentially to uh, a percentage of t- uh, or the, the rate at which a player scores once he's reached base
1: yeah i might actually have a piece of this about billy hamilton coming this week
0: okay yeah uh, and i mean what are we i feel like a league average was Maybe it's been like 25% or something along those lines?
1: Yeah, so, somewhere in there, yeah.
0: Okay, right. But Billy Hamilton scored, what, 40%? Closer to 40.
1: No, well, actually, so Billy Hamilton's numbers are, like, for his career, if you look at the base running page on Baseball Reference, he scored them 70% of the times he's been on base. Uh The problem for- is... Oh, yeah, okay. No, that's fine.
0: No, 70%, that's a, that's a high. That's a higher number. It-
1: it's, like, the highest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of guys – I mean, there are guys who have, like, 100% because they were on base once and they scored once. But of guys who have been on base multiple times, it's, like, Hamilton and then everybody else. The problem is that the way that number is calculated on Baseball Reference, uh it's basically just a, like, runs minus home runs divided by, like, played appearances minus home runs. Uh It's, you know, slightly more complicated. But it doesn't include the fact that Billy Hamilton has frequently been a pinch runner uh which you know allows you the chance to um score a run without hitting. <laughs> so uh when looking at that calculation you have to adjust for all these guys who are getting on base as pinch runners. Uh Rajay Davis is another guy who gets a really high uh percentage of scoring because he pinch runs a lot or has in the past anyway. Um so I'm coming up with a new way of doing this that will show that Hamilton's actual number is a little
0: lower. Right, but still uh still, still very good. Obviously. Still rather high, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And is there, you know, what I would like to see when you're writing that piece, is a, is an equivalency, some sort of equivalency to, if you say like, a, if a guy has a 300 OBP but he's this scores, is this
1: is this is what the piece is about. You're basically giving away my
0: article. Well, I'm not, yeah, but it should be noted that this is the first time we've talked about it.
1: Yeah, correct. You you have no knowledge of the fact that you're spoiled We need a spoiler alert. No, but the, it's not Even though spoiler because though you don't, don't, because know, you don't you, have the yeah.
0: actual data. Well, it, I do have the
1: data. I just haven't written in a post yet.
0: Yeah, right. But the, I'm saying the actual data is – unless I was sharing the actual data, that would be
1: – no, it's right. a
0: great – I think it's a great uh, methodology.
1: Yeah. So basically what I'm going to try and do, hopefully it, it works, is say Billy Hamilton's rate of scoring is equal to X on base percentage.
0: Oh, yeah. So you, you're essentially producing like an OBP equivalency that takes into account a, a, a runner's ability to uh advance uh, by, by his own accord.
1: Yes, but the problem is, and this is going to be one of the caveats in the post, is on-base percentage is not just about scoring yourself, but about scoring the guys on-base in front of you. And so uh, getting on-base less often but scoring more often when you get on-base is not as valuable as just getting on-base more often because getting on-base more often will drive another other runners and advancing yourself will not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very good point. Okay. Uh, Hey, are you shocked to hear that your Seattle Mariners – uh, have uh, probably one of the I would say I would say one of the worst uh, screen or one of the worst center field cameras in, in baseball.
1: No, it's it's atrocious, and it's been atrocious for a while.
0: It's kind of a bummer. Here's why it's a bummer is because um, I bet it's really fun to watch Felix Hernandez on a great camera.
1: It it is a lot of fun to watch
0: those bananas on a great camera. But uh, here's the problem, though: is that not only is uh, Seattle's uh, camera among the worst five, probably, uh, but so is Oakland's.
1: Yeah, the A.O.F. has bad
0: cameras. It does. Yeah, because what else? Texas, Houston's also Houston's also not great either. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, in in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Angels are not fantastic. So so you what? It's like if you want to watch. Felix Hernandez, you need, to, you need to wait for him to play an AL East team.
1: Uh, yeah, which he does occasionally.
0: Yeah, right. Well, they have better. I mean, the Red Sox are quite good.
1: I will uh, say, uh, Wednesday night, regardless of the camera angles, Felix Hernandez versus you, Darvish. That's worth watching, even if it's on a bad camera.
0: Gonna be a lot of movement on pitches.
1: I think there's gonna be a lot of strikeouts, um going out on a limb.
0: You know, I noticed Felix Hernandez, that, that change-up kind of pitch he throws, it's frequently yeah. classified as a change-up.
1: It, well, it's frequently classified as a fastball, but it is a changeup.
0: It is a changeup, but it's like it it's like change-up. two or it's like two it's, miles. It's per hour. ninety
1: to ninety-one miles an hour. his, yeah. his seam, or his two seam fastball is like ninety-two, and his changeup is like ninety.
0: Right, and it's actually he's been throwing it at like ninety-one a bunch. I mean, it's a, I think yep. he's throwing it. He started off the season throwing it harder than even than he has in the past. Yeah, his his changeup is basically a split finger, and it's just it's just what it's just it just has tons of movement on it.
1: Yeah, it just dives out of the zone. And I think
0: this is kind of the same
1: thing with Tanaka and Koji Uehara and some of these other guys who've been very successful. Is we're kind of seeing the uh one of the best ways you can succeed as a major league pitcher is throw a pitch that looks exactly like your fastball, that dives mm-hmm. because hitters think it's a fastball, and then they swing and it's not there anymore. And if you can do that. It doesn't really matter what else you throw. The fact that Felix also has a good curveball and slider and changeup helps. But, you know, if you have this one pitch that looks like your fastball and dives in the dirt, you're good.
0: Do you remember this, that sort of mythic pitch that Daniel Bard threw, like?
1: I do, yes. Four A or gift. five?
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, that was like the first time I became aware of how awesome, uh, gift, gift pitches could be. That one was pretty great. And, and, um, that was, that pitch was thrown very hard. And also had a lot of movement on it, and sometimes it was like, like
1: ninety eight with tail, right?
0: Yeah, right, with crazy. Movement. And Nick yeah. Swisher was just like, "What? Like that doesn't yeah. that pitch didn't <laughs> exist before today?" No, right? Yeah. But but it seems I mean that that's essentially uh, you know maybe about seven eight mile per hour slower, but that's what Hernandez is doing in terms of that pitch relative to his fastball. It, it, correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be nice to see it on a nice camera. Is the point?
1: Yeah. Well, sorry, you will get a bad camera, but you all forget you Darvish.
0: Right. The the other thing is like I, some of these like looking at these camera angles like Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay as everything about it is good except then you have to watch a game that takes place in that in that dome. Right. And it's a little bit actually sad. Like the lighting is a little bit sad in it.
1: Yeah. It's not not a great place to watch a baseball game.
0: No, it's not. You ever watched? You ever been to a game there?
1: I have not. That's one of the stadiums I've not been to.
0: Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, I think you're done. Cool. All right. Uh, we'll stick around for one sec but uh, in the meantime uh, thank you Dave Cameron you're welcome alright that has been Dave Cameron managing editor of Fangraphs I'm Carson Sestouli that's been Fangraphs Audio